Well, let me begin this way, as Bill Treby already did. Happy New Year. Amen. How many of us, when we came in this morning, we greeted others, Happy New Year, Happy New Year. How many of us did that? Anybody said Happy New Year to someone else? Anybody at all? Probably most of us did. Hope you have a great New Year, Happy New Year. Hope the New Year brings you blessing. Something about looking forward to that which we hope is going to be better this new year. And so as we have said and received the admonition, Happy New Year, what was that, what was in it for us? What did we mean by it? What were we receiving and hoping for? I think we could summarize or I could summarize it by saying this way. In some way, in some capacity, to some extent, each one of us, not to say that 2016 was a lousy, nasty, terrible failure, but to say that we're hoping that 2017, this new year, brings us new hope, new opportunities. Amen? How many of us want 2017 to be exactly like 2016? <laughs> You're in bad shape, aren't you, man? <laughs> but, but how many of us genuinely want a better year in various categories? Don't we want a better year? Happy New Year. We want something that in some way in particular categories is better than what we had last year. Better health. Better finances, better relationships, better opportunities, better job, better friendships, better preaching. Who knows what it is that you're looking for? Yes, you can laugh. And Sam had this word this morning, and he quoted from a question that I have in the sermon, so I know that he saw my notes. What do you want this new year? Just take a moment. Take a moment. You've noticed I've not given you notes where outlined. You do have notes, don't you, a page in there? What do you want this year? I think it was Bill Treby last night said the pastor of the church years ago. Was that you? Have a big, big prayer for the new year. Write it on a piece of paper. Hand it in, and I think the pastor whoever would mail it to you at the end of the year. Isn't that correct? Did I get most of that right? See, I wasn't sleeping. What do you want? If, if you knew that God would give you the desire of your heart, as he told Solomon, ask. If you knew that for sure, other than asking for sinful issues, obviously, what would you write? God stood here and said, my people, I will give you the answer to your request if you write it down this morning. First of all, how many of us would write something? <laughs> what would you ask for? Think about it. Now, you know, we may have a list of a whole lot of stuff on there. Okay, fine. It's not necessarily bad because, you see, probably all of us want something that is needful 
in our life, and that's okay, and that's good, and it's as it should be. But you see, although it's important to have aspirations of a better job, better health, better relationships, etc., those are important. But those are all secondary to the most important goal of this new year for us. And that is this. This is the question, not what do I want for the new year, but what does God want me to want for the new year? Could you write that down? Could we write that down and begin to ask ourselves regularly, Father, what do you want me to want for this new year? Father, what kind of a life do you want me to exhibit by your spirit that is pleasing to you for this new year? Because if you're like I am, typically we begin this kind of a journey thinking about me and putting myself forward. And so I think it's imperative in the selection of at least the last song in particular, I thought this morning, puts it in focus. What does God want? What does he want me to want for the new year? So this morning, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to use the occasion of this day, a brand new year in front of us. Because let's face it, all it really means is the earth has spun around the sun for 365 days. Is that a big deal? I mean, oh, we finally made it. <sighs> we don't think. But God uses this occasion, I think, this morning especially. And he wants to encourage us and prepare us for a greater spiritual year of faithfulness and obedience to him in our walk. To a greater, greater activity, a greater spiritual faithfulness and obedience. Now, I, for one, will be at the front of the line to say, do I need greater spiritual faithfulness and obedience in 2017 than I experienced in 2016? Yes. And I think all of us would agree with that. So let's, this morning, as we prepare to begin to walk into this new year, let's allow the Lord to encourage us and prepare us by looking at the first several verses in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and see how God prepared Israel to enter into the new land. Because you see, we're entering the new land of a new year, if you would. Father, as we share this morning, Father, none of this means anything unless your personal presence anointed by the Spirit moves upon us 
both to speak and to hear, to receive, and to cooperate with what you are saying and doing in our lives and in this church. So, Father, for those who are gathered here this morning, for those who may listen online, Father, we pray that your spirit will encourage us and prepare us to walk with you in 2017 in ways that we could only imagine. To experience from you, Father, such love, such kindness, such goodness, such care, such leadership, such power that we have ever experienced before. Father, we ask that this year spiritually and as that overflows into our natural lives will be the greatest year we have ever experienced with you. Father, we ask you to touch our hearts this morning and cause us to be affectionately drawn to you and to your desires as the Holy Spirit ministers to us and leads us and teaches us along the way of our walk. Father, as Bill said, ask big things. Father, we ask you for enormous, enormous work this year as we've never seen before. Work that the world would say it'll never happen. But you were the God who makes all of your will occur. Father, do that beginning this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we prepare to live into the new year, as we prepare to walk into this new area of life, as I said, let's open to Deuteronomy to see and look at how the Lord encouraged and prepared Israel to enter the new, the, new, the new land. But first, I want to ask you to remember two things. Let's remember God's purpose for us in 2017 is really the same purpose that he had for Israel as he expresses in Exodus 3, verse 8, as he is telling Moses why he is going to move upon Pharaoh and force Pharaoh to release his people. You notice God isn't going to ask Pharaoh. He's not going to ask Satan to release us. He's going to what? Force Satan, Pharaoh, to release the people of God. We are here today because God has forced Satan to release us. Amen? At the cross, God forced Satan. He broke his authority, and he forced him, and Satan had to let us go. Moses is standing before the burning bush, and the Lord is explaining to him what he's going to do by sending Moses back to Egypt to release, to redeem, to free the people of God who've been in bondage. And he says this, I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. Many of us, probably every one of us in some category or other, are still under the hand of the Egyptians. They're still 
Egyptian activity in my life, and I would think in every life in here. And so this applies to us. To rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a good and spacious year ahead of us. A land that is flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Secondly, let's remember this, that we are now entering a new land in order to experience the fellowship of God's personal presence. As we walk with him in obedience. So why did God release Israel? Because you see, he had decreed before the foundation of the world that these people, and then in the New Testament, the church, us who are the saved, the born-again ones, he decreed that he would have us as his personal people of fellowship, that in us he would cause to flourish his love and his character, that he would bring us to the closest place in himself relationally. And as a result of that, he does mighty works upon the earth so that in his people, his glory, his greatness, his nature, his character should be able to be seen clearly and consistently and compellingly upon the earth. And so as we move forward, as God works in our lives, let's always remember that God's goal for us is that which is the best for us. Because I know how I am. I don't always see it that way when I'm going through issues. And so the goal for God in Israel is the same for us that we would experience a greater level of personal fellowship with him through our continuing sanctification by the Spirit. Remember in 1 Thessalonians 4.3, the, the Lord says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. What does that mean? That we are by the work of the Spirit daily being conformed to the image of God's Son. Romans 8.29. And remember who God's son is. In Matthew 3, verse 17, Jesus, having been baptized, God the Father from heaven says, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is what God first says about us relationally, and this is what God wants us to experience in fellowship this is God's goal, that we would be experiencing that very same intimate, personal fellowship that God the Father and God the Son have always experienced. That's God's goal. That's what he has ahead of us in this new year. That's what he had ahead of us in 2016 and 2015 and going back. And so by the time we come to Deuteronomy, remember Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, Numbers and Deuteronomy, by the time we come to this fifth book of the Pentateuch, those five books of Moses, Israel has been in the wilderness for 40 years. 
But what happened? You remember God rescued them out of Egypt, brought them to the mountains of Sinai, and gave them the law and the rituals and all the sacrificial system and the priests who mediated it, all of that for the purpose of preparing a people and making his people fit for fellowship with him. You just can't come into the Father's house with sin and degradation and filth because God is holy. And so he did all of that for one purpose, to make us fit for his personal fellowshipping presence. But you remember when the nation came to the edge of the wilderness just several days later after having been at Sinai for about a year. Okay, let's get up and go to the uh, edge of the wilderness. We're going into the promised land. So they came to Kadesh Barnea, and the people said, well, you know, we need to kind of spy it out because God says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go with you, and I'm going to defeat all the enemies. We're going to go over there. You're going to be my people, and I'm going to bless you greatly. Well, what happened? You see, the, they refused. They refused. So by the time we come to Deuteronomy, 40 years later, the nation is back at the same place, at the boundary, at the border of the Jordan River. And Moses is going to encourage the people and instruct them on how to cross over and live in the land for the glory of God. So what does the Lord do to begin to prepare and encourage his people? Well, let's read Deuteronomy 9, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 1, 19 to 36. So let me read these verses with you. You may want to turn there. I'm reading out of the ESV, the English Standard Version. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 19 to 36. Now remember, as we read, this is the Lord's announcement to the people that they are going to go into the land and God is beginning to prepare them by telling them something about their past. Then we set out from, and Moses is rehearsing their history. And so we, we come to verse 19. He's already rehearsed where they've come from. Then we set out from Horeb. Horeb is the mountain, the particular mountain of Sinai. We set out from Horeb and went through all of that great and terrifying wilderness that you saw on the way to the hill country of the Amorites, as the Lord our God had commanded us. And we came to Kadesh Barnea. And I said to you, you have come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up, take possession as the Lord, the God of your fathers has told you. Do not fear or be dismayed. To hear him saying, don't fear and be dismayed as we enter this new year. Then all of you came near to me and said, well, let us send men before us that they may explore the land for us and bring us word again of the way by which we must go up and the cities into which we will come. Let's take a look and see what kind of a land we're going into that the Lord has promised to give us. The thing seemed good to me, and I took 12 men from you and one man from each tribe, and they turned and went into the hill country and came to the valley of Ashkol and spied it out. 
There they took in their hands some of the fruit of the land and brought it down to us and brought us word again and said, it is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. Ah, this is an incredible opportunity. Great hope in the future. Yet you would not go up but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us the land of the Amorites to destroy us. Where are we going up? Our brothers have made our hearts melt, saying, the people are greater and taller than we. Think of 2017. What challenges and difficulties lay ahead of us? The cities are great and fortified with up to heaven. And besides, we have seen the sons of Anakin. And he said, do not be in dread or afraid of them. These are those tall fellows. The Lord your God who goes up before you, he himself will fight for you just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all the way that you went until he, you came to this place. For 40 years, the Lord has been ministered. I mean, for this time going through the desert and delivering from Egypt the plagues and now, you know, through the Red Sea. He says, remember what the Lord did. Eh, but maybe the Lord didn't know about these giants, you see. Yet in spite of this word, you did not believe the Lord your God who went up before you in the way to seek you out a place to pitch your tents in fire and night and the cloud by day to show you the way that you should go. And the Lord heard your words and was angered and he swore, not one of these men of this generation, evil generation, shall see the good land that I swore to give to your fathers except Caleb and then, of course, Joshua. They refused. Now, Moses is standing before the nation, 40 years of history of wilderness, of walking in the good and in the result of disobedience. 40 years of walking in disobedience, or not total disobedience, but, you know, in the good of this disobedience. 40 years of living some faithfulness, some unfaithfulness, you know, it's just a mixture here, 40 years. And so now the Lord says, Moses, tell them we're going to cross. Now, if it had been I, I would have said, look, we have really made some bad mistakes in 2016, but we're in 2017, we have a new year. Let's put the thing behind us and move forward. Let's put the bad year behind us and move forward. Let's just put it out of your minds. Phil, just forget about all that stuff you didn't do and you should have done and whatever. Just put it out of your mind, brother. Let's just move forward. But you see, if that happens, what we do, we take into the new year the very same corrupt baggage that created such defeat in the old year. And the Holy Spirit cannot allow that if we are going to be a people of God's glory. He must deal with the issues. And so what a negative way to encourage. Oh, thanks. We're about ready to enter the new land, and all you've done is tell us how bad we've been. How many of us this morning are 
too preoccupied with how many faults and failures and weaknesses we had last year. Oh, you say I have good near and I have this and that. But you don't know me. You don't know my past. You don't know. And, and so the devil continually preoccupies us with thoughts of failure and weakness so that we, our faith in what God will do and already has done is weakened, is diminished. And so the Lord preempts Satan. He says, look, the enemy is going to tell you how bad you were. But you see, his message of how bad you were and weak you were is for your destruction. I'm going to tell you what you did wrong and your disobedience and your problems. But I'm telling you this for a redemptive or building up purpose. Because too often we will hear from the Holy Spirit an issue in my life. And the Lord may say to you, you're not in my word enough. You're missing the opportunity on Sunday morning to gather before me too often through other issues that are idolatrous in your lives and are keeping you from the assembling of my people before me. You're not pursuing relationships. You're not forgiving. Whatever it is. And we hear that, and immediately we want to put up a defense. But God is telling us that to rescue us out of the clutches of these issues and to empower us by his spirit to move beyond them in his grace, to overcome them and not walk that way anymore. So what was the Lord's motive in such, we might say, a negative presentation? What was his motive? His motive is seen in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 6 and 7. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. When you begin to hear the corrective word of God from, and I'm going to have to wince at this, and she's going to smile when I say this. When you begin to hear the corrective word of God from your wife, <laughs> how many of your husbands love to hear the corrective word of God from your wife? When you begin to hear the corrective word of God from your friend as you read the word, or when you begin to hear the corrective word of God from a preacher, from a man who stands here and speaks adjustment to us, how do we feel about that? What's really going on? Hebrews, and he's quoting from Job, Hebrews, what, 12, 6, and 7. Whom the Lord loves, he what? He corrects, he reproves. And in fact, he says, if you are not being corrected or if you are rejecting correction and reproval, you're illegitimate. The King James uses another word which you don't use anymore, beginning with a B. You're illegitimate. So I don't want to be an illegitimate child of God. I want to be a child of God who continually seeks for and experiences the greater increasing love and ministry of a heavenly father. I need that. We need that as a church. 
And so in order for Israel to enjoy God's presence in the new land, in order for them to go into the land to enjoy his presence in his place as his people, God revealed their past failures and compromises, their obediences and disobediences, but he did it within the context of his forgiving and empowering grace. There's the difference. In order for us to move forward, God will do the same for us. He will remind us of issues in us that need to be adjusted or corrected or strengthened or whatever. But he's doing it not for the purpose like Satan to condemn us, but to produce the peaceable fruit of righteousness, which is verse 11 from chapter 12 of Hebrews. He does it within the context of what? His forgiving and empowering grace. And so as we move forward into 2017, I would imagine that maybe all of us could produce a pretty good list of junk from 2016 in our lives. Can any of you produce a list that has junk in it, sin, junk like that? Anybody in here, you can do that? And you see, when you remember that, if your feeling is in the guts of fear and anxiety and hopelessness and, oh, that's Satan. But if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about those same issues, and you are feeling loved, remembering forgiveness, and anticipating hope and assurance moving forward. That's the Holy Spirit. You have to distinguish between the two spirits. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do this morning, to encourage us as his congregation, at least this part of the congregation who is here today to view 17 as the opportunity of him taking us forward in grace and by grace into a greater depth of fellowship with him, of knowing him. And that fellowshipping with him and knowing him will be manifested externally in the church as we fellowship with one another in a greater way. That's why covenant groups... That's why covenant groups, that's what we do on Sunday mornings. We're allowing the Holy Spirit to manifest in us his great work for which he sent his own son to die on our behalf. That's why we're here. See, that's why it's so dastardly dangerous for us to succumb to any of the temptations and reasons why Satan wants to keep us away from here on Sunday morning, don't you see? So he's going to lead us this way. Jesus is the great physician. How many of us have ever been to a doctor? Maybe for the first time, and especially for the first time, because if you go for the first time, <clears throat> I remember the last time I went to the doctor for the first time, I forgot what it was. I had to fill out more paperwork for that than I did when I got married. 
I just signed one piece of paper. Remember, just one piece of paper. And we'd been married almost 49 years. That was a powerful signature. <laughs> and you know what? I'd sign that paper every day. Every day. 49 years almost. I only signed one piece of paper. Man, page after page, your mom and them, your daddy, your background, you know, what you did do, why you didn't do it, what were you going to do it with, why that, what hurts, what doesn't hurt. And then you walk into the doctor's office, Taylor, and he starts looking at you, sticking things in your ear, opening your mouth, sticking it up your nose, you know, poking you all over the place. What is he doing? What is he doing? He's taking our vital signs. Are you with me on this? Do you understand what I'm talking about? Anybody not understanding that? Vital signs. Next week, I think I'm correct on this, am I not? I get things confused, as you know. Keith is saying, we didn't talk about that. Once I say it, you're, you're, you're in it. Keith is going to begin a series concerning our spiritual vital signs. And, and you and I are going to be challenged. We're going to be challenged. They're going to be some stuff. Yeah, brother, I'm doing that. They're going to be some stuff. Oh, my God, what in the world? I feel condemned already. Oh, legalism. I feel that they're trying to manipulate me. They're trying to. No. God is dealing with us lovingly, correcting, disciplining, teaching, adjusting, because he loves us. And the proof of the quality of our love for him in response is our response to that disciplining. Hmm? So for those of you who are going to sit here over the next week, oh, praise God, I love you, Jesus. I love you. Pooey on that. If you love Jesus and if you want to grow in his love, This church should be filled from there all the way to there, all the way to here, and all the way around. Can anybody say amen? This church, what God has been doing in our lives, and the ministry of the Spirit should never have a vacant chair any Sunday morning. Do you agree with that? Given what God has done and what he's promised to do by taking us forward, even one empty chair should be a question to us about something going on that shouldn't be going on. And I'm not talking about people who literally physically can't get here. This room, if we had coming on Sunday morning, those who say, that Lakeview is the place where God wants us to fellowship. This room with just the chairs we have in here would not contain us. Pete, are you in here? Maybe he's not here. Is that right? We don't have enough chairs in here, do we? How many chairs we have in here? 750? Hmm? 850? We wouldn't have enough chairs. You see, church, body of Christ, Children of the living and loving God, those who have been redeemed at the highest price, 
God simply wants to do what 1 John 3, 1 says. Oh, hmm, see what love the Father has bestowed upon us that we, that we should be called the children of God and such we are. There should be nothing in that world that is under judgment that should in any way ever keep us from being here. Because if there is, other than obvious inability, we are saying there's some other love in my life that is competing with the Holy Spirit. Vital signs. In Deuteronomy 9, verses 1 to 3, you may want to turn there. Deuteronomy 9, verses 1 to 3. Moses tells the people, Hear, O Israel, you are to cross over the Jordan today. As he's saying to us, Hear, O Lakeview Christian Center, you are beginning to go into the new year today. Today. And you're going to go into dispossess the nations greater and mightier than yourselves. In other words, we're going to be living in the new year, not in conformity and walking with the world and its ways and its culture and its demands and its whatever, but doing it in a way to resist and overcome, to show the world that we have that which is greater than anything and everything combined that it can offer us. We have Christ. We have Christ. To dispossess the nations, cities great and fortified up to heaven, a people great and tall, the son of Anakin, whom you know and of whom you have heard it said, who can stand before the sons of Anakin? Given the history of Israel, once they crossed the Red Sea, into the wilderness. Remember in the song of Moses, the song of praise and jubilation in chapter 15 of Exodus. And immediately within a day or two, blah, 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 we don't got water, we don't got water, man. Then it goes, blah, 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 we don't have it. And they get to Sinai, you know, the Lord gives them the great uh, law of God. And then a few, literally a few days later, Moses is up with the Lord. They, go, they create a golden calf. Can you, imagine, can you imagine the enormity of the rebellion? God has just destroyed the religious system of Egypt in eight months through ten plagues. He has just delivered his people from the jaws of death itself. He has brought them to the Red Sea and he over the sea all night and opened it up so they would cross on dry ground. And once they got across, he reversed the breath and brought the water back in, destroying all the armies of Pharaoh. Can you imagine that? And then he gave the law with thunders and lightnings and sounds of trumpet. And the God himself spoke to his people face to face with his people on that day. And yet, just a few days later, they are making a golden calf how susceptible are we to temptation anyway? Can any of us say, you know, too much, that's my plight. I tend to forget God 
when things are not going well or when I'm being tempted to sin. Are you like me? I begin to get spiritual amnesia. And so all that history, and we're not going into the new land. We're not going to do it. We're not following our leaders. We aren't doing it. We have other ideas and other plans, and we have things over here we have to do and things over here there we have to do. And how could they do it? Listen to these words. How could they have come out of the wilderness successfully? And how could they enter the new land that had the very same problems? You see, the Moses didn't say, look, you're entering the new land, and guess what? God has eliminated all the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Hittites, you know, the Jebusites. He, he's gotten rid of them all. There are no more giants in the land. Come on, let's go. In. Oh, well, now we're ready to go in. But you see, they're entering the same land. 2017 has the same stuff potentially for us. Correct? Just because we turn a day on the calendar doesn't mean, hey, everything's fine now. I can do well. Finally, that thing is off my back and I don't have to walk that. No, it's still there. It's still there. It's waiting for you. It's waiting for you. It's like 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded. Why? Because your, what, adversary, the devil, prowls about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. They're still there. We're not going into a new year that is all of a sudden totally different from the last year. All this is another day, but it's a new year. They're going into the same land. How did Israel survive their massive idolatry with the golden calf? How did they, how did they survive it? They had a mediator. They had a mediator. Listen, Deuteronomy 9, 16 to 21 you had made yourselves a golden calf. You had turned aside quickly from the way of the Lord had commanded you. So I, Moses, took hold of the two tablets and threw them out of my hands and broke them before your eyes. Then I lay prostrate before the Lord for 40 days and nights. I neither ate bread nor drank water because of all the sin that you committed. And the Lord listened to me. How do they survive? They had a mediator. How did Israel survive their massive refusal to enter the promised land? They had a mediator. Deuteronomy 9, 23, 25. And when the Lord sent you to Kadesh Barnea, saying, go up and take possession of the land that I have given you, then you rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God and did not believe him or obey his voice. You have been rebellious against the Lord from the day that I knew you. So I, I lay prostrate before the Lord for those 40, these 40 days and 40 nights because the Lord had said he would destroy you. How could Israel enter the promised land with hope and assurance as God's forgiven, empowered people? How? How could they do it? Moses says, you have a whole bad history. You have junk in your lives. He says to us this morning, you got a year. You have a year. It's just filled with whatever. There's stuff in your life. You've been wrong. You've been sinning. It's a mixture of good and bad, evil, success, disobedience, belief. He says, you have all of that. 
But how can we proceed into the new year with hope and assurance? You see, we can proceed in the same way that Israel could proceed. They had a mediator, and we have a mediator. How can I look at my past? Think of last year. Just think of one thing that was a real bad thing. Just think of one thing. All of you just think of one thing. Holy Spirit, please give each one of us a thought. This was really nasty, really wrong. How can you go forward with that on your mind, with that on your back, with that shackling your walk? How can you move forward? If you're a child of God, how do you move forward? We have a mediator. Amen. We have a man in the heavens. Who took upon himself. All of those deeds. All of that filth. All of that failure. All of that nastiness and impurity and pollution. We have a mediator. And he took it all upon himself at the cross. And the Bible says, condemning sin in the flesh. And at the end of six hours, Jesus ushered up all of the strength of his beaten, battered, body and said in John 19 verse 30 it's paid for it is finished I have paid the full guilt price and condemnation wrath of God for all of the sin of all my people for all time we have a mediator and when he was buried. God buried all our condemnation with him. And that body of Jesus did not come up from the grave the same way. A new body, a glorified body, taking that body and causing it to be totally glorified. God brought him forth up out of the grave. And on the day of resurrection, God declared his people in Christ to be raised with Christ in the heavenlies, totally justified as if they had never sinned, totally accepted by God, adopted into the family by the Spirit to walk with him and pleasing as a father walks with his children. We have a mediator. How can we face the new year with all the crud of the last how can I do it? I can't do it unless I have a mediator. I can't do it unless I have a mediator. And you can't do it unless you know you have a mediator. You see, Moses was an earthly mediator, but we have a heavenly mediator. Moses was a temporary mediator, but we have a permanent mediator. Listen to this, Hebrews 7.25. Consequently, talk about this mediator whose name is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. 
he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. There is a man in the glory of God at the right hand of the authority of God Almighty who has sitting who is sitting down as to our salvation and who is standing as to the warfare in us conducting the affairs of our lives by the Holy Spirit so we will have the victory as we walk in obedience with him and he ever is maintaining us before the very presence of God himself and as long as Jesus Christ is the heavenly man in the glory of God we will always also be in him and with him in the glory of God. That's why we can be hopeful and encouraged moving forward. That's why when Keith starts next Sunday morning talking about issues in my life, in the life of this church, we can listen to them and say, glory to God. Let me know so I can be a son of greater faithfulness. Amen? It's about time we start kicking Satan out of our lives rather than letting, us kick, letting him kick us around. Amen? It is time for us to be the people of God in a greater way than ever before. It is time. It's time. This year is God's year in us to move forward in great victory, church. It's time. It's time. God desires to do in us with the work that Satan is tempting and proceeding in us to do in us with that work the same thing that Jesus did at the cross. And he, uh, Genesis 3.15 says, and he crushed the head of Satan. He wants to crush the head of Satan's activity and temptations in our lives, don't you see? Why? Because we are his beloved kids. The Apostle Peter denying Jesus three times. I never knew the man. I never knew him, remember? Denying Jesus. Outwardly, verbally denying Jesus. We may not do that, but we certainly do the same thing with our compromising. How could Peter move forward? Luke twenty two thirty four says what? Peter, you're going to deny me, but... You have a mediator. I have prayed for you. And when, not if. <gasps> Did you get it? Not if. <sighs> I hope it works. I, I have prayed for you. We're talking about the Son of God praying to the Father. And when you are converted, you will, and he goes on to minister. How could that coward of Luke 23 and 4 be the great proclamator of the gospel in Acts 2? How could he move forward? Because you see, he has a mediator. And he trusted his mediator and the work of his mediator and the goal of his mediator more than he trusted in his own failures. We're going to hear vital signs. 
you and I are going to be tempted to trust in what the vital signs mean to me personally and how I'm doing and not doing more than the mediator. You see, we have a mediator. Listen to this in Hebrews 4. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. He ain't here no more as the lowly Jesus. He's the risen, reigning, returning King of kings and Lord of lords. We have a mediator. He's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Therefore, let us hold fast our confession, what we believe in. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted such as we yet without sin. Therefore, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of God's grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, we need help for 2017. And we're not going to get it by moaning and bemoaning and belittling and bewaning or whatever. But we're going to receive it by letting the Holy Spirit speak to us directly, clearly, and honestly, without any debate, without any explanation, without any, but you don't, but, but, and put all that aside just to receive it from the loving hand of a God who simply wants to build us up and strengthen us to walk with him in ways that please him. You see, this year, 2017, is just the next step on our path to the new land of God's promise, isn't it? Some people in this church, their journey to the new land of God's promise ended last year. This year, by the end of this year, some in this church will have ended their earthly journey to God's land of promise. But we now begin that journey this year for the next step. What is that land of God's promise? Listen to these words. Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me, in my Father's house or many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? That, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. We're going there. That's where we're going. We're heading to God's place, the place in a new land with the presence of God and joys forevermore. But in order to get to that land, we're going to have to walk through this land. And one of the ways and a primary way of walking in this land in a way that's not being defiled and distracted and weakened is to keep our hearts and minds set on our destination, this new place. You see, we all have a mixed pass, but we have a mediator. We all have hopes and dreams and aspirations, 
But God has a place for us to go. A place where we will dwell, Revelation 22, 4, and see him face to face. But in order to get there, now that we are the children of God, we have to walk this path, 2017. And the Holy Spirit wants us to walk in in such a way that when we finally get to our place, he receives us not as bruised and beaten down and burdened children, but as children who have walked through this veil of tears in such strength and power in the grace and love of God, experiencing such conquests by the Spirit that He receives us home, not only with great joy because we are His children, but with great joy because we are His victorious children. I want 17 to be that kind of a life for me, and I want it to be, and I say I, the leadership of the church, and I believe all of us want this. We're going home, and there is a place. Let this song that we're going to sing be our anthem as we head into this new year toward this new place. It's good to stand up. streets shine with the glory of the Lamb. There's a way we can go there, we can live there beyond time because of you, because of you, because of your love, because of your love. No more pain, no more pain. Sadness, no more suffering, no more tears, no more sin, no more sickness, no injustice, no more death because of you, because of you, because of your love, because of your Everlasting, there is gladness, there is peace, there is wine ever flowing, there's a wedding, there's a feast because of you, because of you, because of your love, 
thank you for being our mediator. Jesus, thank you for providing a way not only to forgive us of sin, but to provide us with hope for the future, Lord, and ultimately hope for our eternity. Lord, thank you for that hope that was our reminder this morning. Lord, we live this year in light of that hope, we pray. In your son Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.